0: Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit SozoSMTX.com. So we've been in this series called People of the Presence. We talk about the presence of God. We're talking about God with us, that He's actually with us. Even if you don't see Him, that He's actually here and in our midst and that he's working, and that sometimes his working is subtle, and sometimes it's strong. And I just wanted to share with you a little bit about my journey. This is kind of what I feel like is the, is the redirect. I, I recognize that in worship, what we just experienced was the presence of God with us. And I, I, for years, would be in settings just like what we experience, or very similar, and people would be encountering God in incredible ways, and yet my heart and my senses were numb to what he's doing. And I I, um, have been in uh, settings that have even been like pretty wild and intense spiritually. And I've been like, I don't, feel anything, I don't know anything, I don't experience anything, and, and some of you may be actually in that place, and that may be you, and you're like, well, I don't even know, it feels like a bunch of emotionalism, or it feels like a bunch of hype, and and, and I just want to walk you through a little bit of that, and then I want to I teach you a little bit about what I believe God's doing in the, ter- in the church, but for me, what I, I, what I recognized is that there were areas of my heart that were numb to God, that I was so in my head that I was not in my heart and that I was so spiritually trying to figure everything out and know what's going on and make sense of everything that I couldn't be spiritually aware and alert. In fact, what what was happening for me is that I was leading with my head instead of with my spirit. I was interacting with God God from a place of intellect instead of spirit. The way that God created the world, it says in Genesis 1 that he created the heavens of the heavens and the earth and that the, the spirit was brooding or hovering over the waters. And it was that place of brooding and hovering that caused the natural to be connected with the spiritual and come to life. It's actually the divine order of God that the, the spirit of God would be hovering over over the natural world that those two would be connected and that they would actually come to life there and in that place. You were not created to be intellectually led. That's a a Western way of life. You're actually created to be spiritually led. And what we find is that the brooding of the Spirit over our intellect will cause things to come to life. It'll actually make some sense intellectually if we're willing to surrender spiritually first and allow Him to bring His order into our lives. And so a a lot of times we're, we're, we're trying to process and make sense of everything in our heads and we feel really numb to the move of the Spirit of God. And what we find in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the, the manifestations of the Spirit and that God is actually, he, he's moving in his body. When believers gather together, he, he's at work, he's moving. There is a significant increase, increase of his presence as he's working in and among us. And it uses this word manifestation. Say manifestations. manifestations. It's kind of a scary sounding word. What it it meant, the the root word in the Latin means the dancing hand of God. And so as we're gathered, here's what happens. Our, Our worship, because he's always with us. So in Psalm 100, it says, we enter his courts with thanksgiving and, or his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So thanksgiving, we talked about this a few weeks ago, is honoring and giving gratitude for what he's done. Praise. So we're moving towards him. So we start with thanksgiving. We move towards him in praise. Praise shifts the conversation from what he's done to who he is, okay? But here's what's interesting for us. We don't live in David's time. David said this. He said, one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere, okay? So hang in there with me. We... When we give our lives to Jesus, we're actually transferred into, in the spiritual realm, into the presence of God. So we actually exist in two realities at the same time, a spiritual reality and a physical reality, but you're actually transferred into 2 Corinthians, or sorry, uh, Ephesians 2.6 says that we're seated with Christ in heavenly realms. That means that we're spiritually alive, okay? Doesn't mean that you have to be aware of it, but that's actually your reality, So David said, essentially, I would give my life, one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere, I would give my life to live in what we have continual access to. That we always have access to God, okay? And so the challenge is for many of us that we're not aware of it. But what worship does is it makes us aware of it. It doesn't matter if you like the song or the sound When you connect your heart through your mouth to God, it it begins to open you up to God. A few weeks ago, we danced like crazy. And there's something about even giving our bodies as a living sacrifice, saying, God, I'm all yours, that breaks off our desensitization, desensitization to his spirit. It makes us alive to him, And it allows our bodies to come under what he's doing. It makes us sensitive to his spirit. And so what happens is, in his presence, what worship does, not just the music, but the lifestyle makes us aware of what he's done so I can be aware of what he's doing. Okay, so then we get in a place like this and that manifestations, that dancing hand of God thing happens. And here's what goes on in that place, is that God starts moving and he's actually doing different things in different people's lives. Because I looked around, I had to go to the bathroom in the middle of worship, and so I went to the bathroom. I didn't go, I went to the bathroom, all right? And, and, and so I was walking, and, and, and then I stood at the back for a minute or two, and I was just watching different people's responses. Because God's actually doing different things in different people's lives he's he's, the dancing hand of god is doing different things What, what i love that happens so so that dancing hand of god thing so so lauren's sitting next to me and nathan's like just going off like he does what a gifted worship leader what a gift it is to have him The dancing hand of God is on Nathan, and he begins to sing the song that he's never sung before. He's singing a new song. He didn't have that planned. He was just going for it, all right, because the Spirit of God was moving. So Lauren's sitting next to me, and she said, hey, I I feel like I've got this word. I don't know if it's just for me or if it's for the body. So she shares the word with me because we we like to work together. And I said, no, I think that's for the body. Give it just a second, and, and there'll be room and I want you to give that word. And so she gets up and, and again, the dancing hand of God. And so the way that the, the dancing hand of God, the way that the spirit moves, one, blows our mind. You can't predict it, nor can you control it. But sometimes it's moving on you for you. And sometimes it's moving on you for somebody else. But here's what God is wanting to do in the church. I believe that he is reforming the church that there's an invitation to experience reformation. And here's what I mean. The church, historically, has been a place of information. It's kind of like we we sing, and that's the first act. It's kind of the warm-up for the message that's like the information. We came, oh, that was a good message. I, I believe that God is actually reforming the church to be centered on his presence instead of on information. And that he's inviting us to be aware of what he's doing because the truth is we're not going to make it on information alone. We need impartation, we need transformation and we only get that by his presence. And so what God's doing is he's saying, hey, would you, would you be reformed, reshaped by my presence? And what he wants to do in us is kind of like a greenhouse. You see, God's not really just interested in working in the church for the sake of the church, though he likes us a lot, he loves us, but he actually wants to work in the church for the sake of the world. Okay. So he wants to do something in us like a greenhouse. And so we, we come together, whether it's in large gatherings like this, or maybe small gatherings like community groups, or maybe, uh, gatherings of two or three for like discipleship and connection and you're running together. Maybe it's just you in your quiet time, but he wants to do something in us in those times that he can grow in us like a greenhouse so that then he can take us out of the greenhouse and plant us where he wants to in the world so that the kingdom of God will extend and expand all the way around the world and affect every realm of society. We're not going to get there by information. We're not called to be a primarily education-centered organization. We're supposed to be centered on the presence of God. And as we allow him to reshape us, to reform us, to be what we were always meant to be, what we'll see is that the kingdom of heaven flows through us and transforms the world. Here's what we'll see. We'll see the answer to Jesus' prayer your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen? Now let me show you that in scripture. It'll all kind of piece together, I think. One, <laughs> Yeah, go with me to Genesis 28, verse 16. So Jacob... Has this dream, it's the the stairway to heaven dream. We're not going to focus on that dream. It's really good. Jesus actually repeats it. But it says in verse 16, it says, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place? And then he says this, this is none other than the house of God. Say house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Say gate of heaven. heaven. Let me explain this to you. The house of God is the gate of heaven. The house of God is the gate of heaven. Here's what we find is that God always creates order and he never goes around the order that he's created. Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted. He he fasts in the wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights, experiences crazy temptation from the enemy, overcomes. And then it says that angels were sent to minister to him. Why didn't God, the Father, go and minister to Jesus himself? Because he wasn't going around his created order. He created angels to be ministering spirits sent from God, is what Hebrews 1 says. And so God wasn't going around his order. So we know this, that God has always wanted a people for himself, a family that would take the culture of heaven, the culture of the garden, Adam and Eve in the garden, and extend the boundaries of the garden so that they would cover the whole earth. He wanted to do that through humanity and relationship with him, Are You with me? And so God always wanted us to be in relationship with him and that the world would be transformed, not simply by him, but by a people yielded to him walking in relationship with him. And so he created this house. That word house can easily be translated. It's not really a structure word like a building. It's actually a people or a family. So the family of God is the gate of heaven. What that means is that the way that God wants to move in answer to that prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is that he actually wants to flow through the gates of heaven or the family of God in order to bring transformation to the world. He could go around us. He has the authority to do whatever he wants to do, but he chooses to work with us. Thank God he's really patient. Our, Our problem is this, that in the West, we've made church almost primarily educational. And what it's done is it's created a consumer system. We've created consumers. And what I don't mean is that you can't sit there and receive. That's fine. That's actually good if it goes somewhere. But if the church is just feeding into our consumerism and it doesn't lead to transformation, then we're stuck and we don't mean a hill of beans to the world. Because we're supposed to be the gate of heaven. But instead we're just consuming what we can to feel good about ourselves so that i can make it to next week. We're not called to make it to next Sunday. We're called us to thrive and watch God move in incredible ways and as we see him move it be, it brings the transformation that the world needs and so we come back together and we celebrate and we get we, we focus on him and what he's doing. We get equipped for his purposes in order to bring transformation in the world. So what we see is the house of God is the gate of heaven or the family of God is the gate of heaven. So we see this in, in First Chronicles 29. Don't have to go there because I'm not going to either. We see that David's heart is to make a, a temple, a house for God to dwell in. God actually comes to him through a prophet and says, "Hey, you're disqualified to do that. I want I don't want you to do that. I want your son to do that." So, but what David does because he's a good father is he sets his son up for success, and he begins raising support for the temple that his son Solomon will build. And so the people give incredible extravagant gifts in order to build the temple. Here's the incredible thing about the new covenant. We see this in Ephesians 2, that while in the old covenant, the people gave gifts to build the temple in the new covenant, the people are the gifts that build the temple because we're living stones building the temple of God. let's, Let's look at that real quick in Ephesians 2. It says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. There's that word household again, built on the foundation of the apostles. Interesting that Nate was singing about foundations earlier, of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. It's all centered on Jesus. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The old covenant, the temple was a physical building built with physical stones. In the new covenant, the temple is a spiritual building built with living stones. So what God is doing is he's actually joining his body together, putting us together, each one of us playing their specific role so that we can be a temple, a gate of heaven, so that the the purposes of heaven can make themselves uh, manifest on earth. So what he's doing is he's actually maturing us. He's chiseling us. He's shaping us, you and me. He's refining us in his presence so that we can be a people of his presence, so that we can be a temple for him to dwell on earth. The manifestation of the presence of God ultimately looks like transformed lives, transforming the world. And so what we see is God's dancing hand in our times together, and he may be talking to you about something totally different than what we're singing about or what I'm talking about, but when he's present and we're open to his presence, he begins to chisel things in our lives that shape us so that we have our exact fit in the temple that he's building. What I love about the temple that, David prepared for in the temple that Solomon built is there's this incredible thing that's kind of mind-blowing. When Solomon goes to dedicate the temple and they bring the ark in, it's in 1 Kings 8 and verse 10, it says, and it happened when the priest came from the holy place, the cloud filled the house of the Lord. Clouds don't typically fill houses. I'm not a a climate guy, a meteorologist, but I I haven't seen clouds fill houses. So something supernatural is happening even in the temple of a lesser covenant than the one that we live in. Do you understand that? Like he was under the Mosaic covenant, David, Solomon, all those guys, under the old covenant. We understand in scripture that the the old covenant is nothing compared to the covenant that we live in. For those of you that like bacon, say amen. Amen. (laughs) So the glory of God begins to fill that place. Here's what happens next in verse 11. It says, so the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house. It's not that they couldn't stand ministering. It's that they could not stand physically on their feet because the presence of God was so thick. That's the old covenant, a lesser covenant. See, there's something about when God shows up, it brings transformation to us. And sometimes God shows up And all we can do is weep. Other times he shows up and we just sit and receive. Other times he shows up. This is actually one of my favorites and you just laugh. Other times he shows up and you shake. Other times he shows up and you dance. But what happens is, is that God loves to show up. So we know this, that the old covenant is nothing compared to the new covenant. So go with me now to Acts chapter one. Start in verse 12, it says, and the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill and they called called the Mount of Olives a Sabbath day's walk from the city. A Sabbath day's walk is a limited amount of steps. It says, when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. They went to the upper room. It's got a bunch of names, the the guys that were there. And it says, then they all joined together constantly in prayer. So Jesus has just ascended into heaven, where he is now. They get together and they begin to pray. 10 days later, they're still in the upper room praying. Let me say this, there's something significant about unified prayer. And it says this when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Doesn't that sound redundant? They were all together in one place? It's actually speaking of two different realities. You can be in one place and not all be together, right? Like, I've been there before. You ever been in a meeting like that? Everybody's in the same place, but we're not all together. It gets pretty rough. Yep. But they were all in one place and they were unified. I've heard people say, could be true, we don't know for sure or not, but that it took them 10 days to get on the same page. Some of you have been in church board meetings and that kind of stuff, committee meetings, and it took way longer than that if you were ever gonna make it on the same page. It says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. does not say on each of the apostles, it says on each of them. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Here's what happens. When we all get together, unified in one place, the presence of God comes. He begins to pour out his spirit on us. We know that when the people of God are unified, it actually commands a blessing from God. It actually sets up in such a way that God could bless us. Here's what I love that happens in in those places and those times is that the dancing hand of God comes and it begins to work on your life. God begins to do in your life maybe what he's never done before. Part of that is that he actually distributes gifts to us in those places. Sometimes those gifts may be a, a manifestation of his presence for a momentary purpose. Oftentimes, what he gives us glimpses of in his presence in those places are gifts that he's imparting to us that actually transform us. And so as we begin to, to learn and grow and steward what he's doing in our presence, it begins to transform us in such a way that we leave, to, that we leave different, that we now carry something different, that what I Used to be, I no longer am, and I don't have to go back to where I was, but like a greenhouse now, I've got something different that becomes a gate to heaven for the world around me. Because it's not just the church gathered that God works through, although I love when he works in our midst, but it's also in the church scattered that he begins to work out what he worked in when we were gathered And when we begin to allow him by our surrender to him, we begin to allow him to work, it changes the world. I believe that what God wants to do is reform us as a people, that our focus would be his presence among us. That we would even begin to honor his presence, not just among us corporately, but also among us individually, that you would begin to honor what you are, neighbor, your friend, your spiritual brother and sister carry. And here's what happens when you honor it, that thing even grows more because honor always leads to life. And so you may know somebody like Josh, I keep looking at him. Josh has been my friend for almost 20 years. And I know this about him, that he actually carries this gift of wisdom. And so as we honor that it actually begins to thrive. And, and as we begin to honor what other people are doing and maybe you just see like a glimpse and maybe you're in a community group of somebody and you're like, man, at just the right time. I see something in them every time. It's like they just have the right question or the right phrase or the right word of encouragement. As we begin to call that out, what happens is, is it begins to shape them and confirm in them what they're carrying. May see somebody... One of my favorite stories uh, from, from recent times is Josie. Where's Josie? Oh, she's right here. She was sitting right behind me the whole time. A couple years ago, I was having, we had just moved. Consequently, I was having major back issues. I was going to the chiropractor a couple times a week. My back was really hurting. And Dustin invited me uh, to do something with college leaders, the equipping kind of deal. And Josie, who's now uh, just starting an internship with us, um, was in the room and, and, and I felt like, God was beginning to highlight some things. Actually, Garrett was there. Garrett, you here somewhere? He usually sits over here. He's probably with kids or something. Uh, and I felt like God said that he was setting apart Garrett for to be an evangelist, that he wants Garrett just to share the, the gospel. And if you know Garrett, that's what he does all the time. This this crowd is actually annoyed with how much Garrett shares the gospel. So I felt like God said that he's giving Josie a a gift of healing. And I felt like he said for me to lay my hands on her hands, that her hands would become warm, and they did, right? But uh, I needed Josie, actually, to have that gift of healing, because I had been going (laughs) to the chiropractor. My chiropractor actually watches sometimes, and he's he's probably watching now, and... uh, and so all of a sudden, like my, the pain in my back went away when Josie... I said, Josie, I'm your, I'm your first test. Pray for me. And the pain in my back went away like instantaneously. So I went the next day to my chiropractor. I was like, bro, you've been working on me for a while and I'm really grateful, but this... College woman prayed for me and everything changed. <laughs> and now Josie, I heard her just say a week or two ago that she's learning what it looks like to live that out. And the way that we learn to lo- how, how that's lived out is actually in the safety, the security of community that we begin to discover. Like I, I know the Wilson's son, like he hears God super Clearly he's surrounded by some folks that are helping him learn how to walk in that in a healthy way and in a strong way. There's something about the protection of community that as we grow in our gifting, as we see the presence of God begin to work in us, that it begins to transform us. I'd like to suggest to you that you have supernatural grace on your life. You have gifting from God on your life that is yet to be discovered, it's yet to be fostered because you've been doing consumer Christianity because you've just been living it out on your own. But there's something about living it in community that causes that stuff to come up to the surface and it begins to transform us and we begin to use it. Let me say this, like I love watching God work in our midst, but quite honestly, like I don't have the level of gifting and administration to administer everybody's gifts in this setting. Maybe somebody else does. That's awesome. But I do know this, that in the context of community, you get together with 10, 15, 20 people and you begin to watch those things work and rise to the top. There's something about community that begins to transform us and we begin to see the dancing hand of God and he begins to do in us some incredible things that transform us that And I believe this, if it's actually a move of God, if it's actually a kingdom thing, then it doesn't simply work in the context of holy huddles. But it actually works everywhere we go. You guys, from time to time, I'll give people words from the stage. That's not something that I just decided to do. That's something that I've fostered for about eight to 10 years in my personal life sometimes missing it, sometimes like nailing it, but staying as a student so that what God has put in me can develop. It doesn't just happen. And, and so I wanna encourage you to begin to lean into the grace of God on your life and then offer it in the security, the safety of community and watch him work in incredible ways because God has incredible gifts for you that we, the church, need and that the world around us is starving for. They don't just need good messages from us. They don't just need, if you get hit by a bus, would you go to heaven? That's appropriate at times, but they need the very heart of God manifest through the people of God in such a way that it brings transformation. And here's what I love. I said, even as God changes you, you walking in the gifting on your life still looks like you. Come on. You don't have to be somebody else. You don't have to be weird. Some of you just are naturally weird <laughs> and you can't help it, all right, Kenny? And so, <laughs> and so, but be you, but watch God move in you. Here's what I want us to do as we close. I've gone long as usual which no longer makes it long if I just keep doing it, right? I just want us to just sit for a few minutes in the presence of God. Worship team's gonna come back up and just let God begin to minister to you and then they'll start singing. I'd encourage you just to stand as they start singing and just watch God begin just to rest on us, just begin to move in our midst. There's something about being unified that commands his blessing. And I believe that he has something significant, something special for us. We're not going to have ministry time. We're not having people lay hands on you. I just want you to receive from the spirit of God as his hand begins to dance around the room. This morning, you may be here or almost afternoon, but you may be here and your heart's burning, but you don't know God. And you need to give your life to God. And you need to say, Jesus, I give you my life. I, w- I want in on you. There's like that dancing hand of God thing. It's like pointing at your heart right now. And you just know, I need to surrender to Jesus. I want you to know that Jesus loves you so much that he was willing to die the most brutal death imaginable. And he actually became your sin so that you could become his righteousness. I believe that God is drawing you to himself. And what that looks like is responding by saying, Jesus, I trust you with my life. I give you the leadership of my life. I'll follow you. I thank you, Jesus, that you died for my sin, that you rose from the dead so that I could have life. If you make that decision, let somebody, let everybody know, let me know. We'd love to surround you and champion what God's doing in your life. Lord, we just thank you for your presence with us. We thank you, Lord, that we get to gather, not around music or teaching, good ideas or philosophies, but around the very person of Jesus, around the presence of God. We just... Invite you now, Lord, that you would move in us. We give you access to our lives, to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that you've created us to commune with you. So we just say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. We want you. transforming us.